0: Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. British writer Andrew Hicks stumbled across Jack Jones when he found out he'd written a romantic novel in Thailand. But when he researched him some more, he found another story of how Jones led the transport corps for the pacifist volunteer Friends Ambulance Unit in China for six years after the Second World War. I asked him about who Jack was.
1: Jack was one of the most complicated personalities you could probably imagine. He was transport director in Chongqing for the Friends Ambulance Unit for about six years. And he was manic, kind of depressive. He'd had a very difficult upbringing. His father was a a vicar and Jack rebelled against his father. His father wanted him to go into the church and Jack didn't want to do anything other than to be a poet. He was brought up in North London and his main hobby was uh, racing scramble motorbikes, dirt track riding. And as he said, he was the only dirt tra- track riding poet in the whole of the country. But he ended up having, in effect, dropped out, um, done manual work in England, done nothing very significant, and then decided to try and find himself by travelling to China to work with the friends Ambulance Unit as a volunteer and with a strong concern for the people of China to try and do something for them lands in Kunming, and within a year, he became transport director in Chongqing. Pretty remarkable story. Very complicated.
0: Very complicated. And, and, and what sort of time frame are we talking here?
1: Very fast. I mean, he was born in 1913. He was in his early 30s when he arrived in China. Uh, most of the other FAU men were much younger. And he obviously had a knack for building and leading a team, and he became transport director after only a year in China and held that job for about five years. Extremely tough job, very hard.
0: Now, your book, Jack Jones, A True Friend to China, The Lost Writings of a Heroic Nobody, covers uh, the years of the Friends Ambulance Unit China Convoy from 1945 to 1951. Now, as well as being a poet, Jack Jones was quite a writer.
1: He was an amazing writer. I I first came across him when I was living in Thailand. He wrote a book called A Woman of Bangkok, which is basically very similar to the world of Susie Wong. It uh, preceded Richard Mason's book by one year and was the story about a young Englishman who comes out to Bangkok and falls for a hostess in a, in a, in a bar. And it's a, great, it's a great book, better, I think, than Susie. And um, Jack was an obsessive writer, just as he wanted to be a poet, he also wanted to be a writer, and he was never happier, I think, than bashing the typewriter
0: Now, your book on the Friends Ambulance Unit of that period is based on Jack Jones' writings. It's full of photos, and what appealed to me was just the everyday nature of these photos. It's something that you don't tend to see sometimes in history. You see the grand events, but you don't see the everyday.
1: That's absolutely right. I mean, the the Friends Ambulance Unit men sometimes had a camera and they were working in very difficult conditions, driving trucks over mountains, trucks that were underpowered, struggled to get to the top of the hill, had no brakes when they came down the other side. And they took photographs of things in China that fascinated them, the people, the events, things going on around them, ordinary countryside pictures, which the colonials never, ever took. So, in the book, there are over 500 photographs, photographs that have never been seen before. And I do think they are quite special because they have that particular intimacy and immediacy that you don't often see.
0: Jack Jones was born in 1913, rebels against his somewhat religious background, but still joins the Quaker Friends Ambulance Unit China Convoy. What was the actual role of the Friends Ambulance Unit? Was to look after the poor around them?
1: The original role of the Friends Ambulance Unit in 1942 was distributing medical supplies. Uh, China, obviously, was blockaded by the Japanese. Hong Kong had been taken, the Burma Road had been cut... The only access to um, China for outside supplies, mainly, of course, war material, was over the hump by air from Assam flying into Kunming. And just occasionally, a little bit of space was kept aside for medical supplies. Medical supplies were coming into Kunming, which is relatively easy. More difficult is distributing them. So, in fact, the French Ambulance Unit was asked to take over the role of distributing medical supplies to hospitals and mission hospitals throughout China, and they drove over appalling roads uh, um, during that period.
0: You have photos of the everyday, you know, people... Uh, people having meals, sitting with the, the local dogs that they've adopted um, and also treating babies and adults. But uh, at the same time, you've also got quite shocking photos sometimes. I mean, people have survived, but it's like Jack Jones with, with his truck in a ravine.
1: They had some horrific accidents. Um, overall, about 400 men, and it was an Anglo-American project, so there were British and Americans, Canadians and New Zealanders. And in total, 12 young men did not go home. One of Jack's colleagues, um, Brian Sorensen, was killed when the aircraft he was flying in flew into a a, a mountain. Um, Others died in in similar ways, and Jack, in fact, buried three of his colleagues. So it was dangerous, it was gruelling, and um, many of them were were ill in their time in China. Pretty tough.
0: And where did Brian Sorensen come from?
1: Brian Sorensen was the son of a Labour MP in North London, um, who was elevated to the Lords as Lord Sorensen.
0: I think what is interesting is that when you look at war photos, you'll see young men in uniform. And so, for some reason, um, even though you can identify with them, it's a little bit estranged. It's that that period in history. What's interesting here is that when I look at the photos of, say, Brian Sorensen, who was just 23... Uh, when he died, when his plane went into a mountain. It's a young, good-looking man grinning out of this photo, and, and, and also some of the regular photos that you've got of everyday activities here makes it very alive, even though we're talking a period that's now 70 years ago.
1: I agree. When you look at the photographs, they are sort of ordinary blokes, driving trucks, sitting around in the dust with their Chinese mates, and... That's what I find appealing about them. Most photographs or or memoirs of um, foreigners in China are of colonial toffs lording it over the Chinese. These guys were there as pacifists, not promoting any political view, not not for commercial gain, um, not touting Bibles. They were there simply because they individually wanted to volunteer to help people in China. And they are the salt of the earth. They had a tough life there and I really respect them very much.
0: Where did you discover this information about Jack Jones? Where were his accounts kept and also the photographs?
1: Basically, um, the Friends House in London, which is the archive of the the Quakers, has a large collection of uh, material from the time in China, and it was in the the Friends archives that I found all the stuff he'd written. The FAU in China had a regular newsletter which went out every two weeks or so and was circulated around all the members in China. And Jack, of course, as an obsessive writer, wrote for that. I went to the, the archive not, not expecting to find much. I found an absolute treasure trove of really fine writing. And it's that, that writing that I've edited and put together for the book to, 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 to make a story. And it is a fine adventure story.
0: It's interesting that you say Jack Jones was uh, depressive um, because actually some of his accounts are quite light-hearted.
1: Yes, I think often people who are very humorous may also be depressive, a lot of comedians are that way. Um, he was complex, and I think one of the sub- obviously one of the main subplots of the, of the book is tracing the life of this young man, seeing him discover himself as the leader, but also come to breakdown and towards the end of the book there is a very shocking breakdown.
0: I'm talking to Andrew Hicks, the author of Jack Jones, A True Friend to China, The Lost Writings of a Heroic Nobody. So the Friends Ambulance Unit, uh, Quaker outfit, 400 men who were based in China during that period. So the Friends Ambulance Unit, were they just in China or were they in other places in the world?
1: They were, in during the Second World War, they were all over the world. So there were a large number of projects. Basic, Basically, as pacifists, these were men who refused to fight, who didn't want to fight. And they could go before a a tribunal, show that they were conscientiously objecting to bearing arms, and they could be allowed exemption from military service, provided that they did alternative service. So the Quakers set up the Friends Ambulance Unit in the First World War to provide a vehicle for that military service. And of course that then was renewed during the Second World War. China was the biggest project.
0: Amongst the photos also, you really do see uh, aspects of China like terraced or the terraced farmland, which is quite stark in black and white. You've got some lovely, um, as I say, again, very ordinary photos of some of these people doing their daily work, typing in the office. As I say, um, sometimes when things go wrong, like trucks in a ravine. Um, But you've also got some very interesting, from a historical perspective, photos of like cities, just as the communists were coming in in 1949, 1950.
1: That was a, a key period. Um, Jack was in China running the transport unit as the communists approached. And quite a few of his writings are about anticipating the what we now call regime change. And one of the most interesting passages, I think, in the book is where he describes the communists arriving in Chongqing. And um, hearing the explosions, suddenly the night sky is lit up and the wall falls in. They don't actually have any glass in the windows, so there's no glass to break. They then spent the night in the grease pit uh, where, the, where, the, where the trucks are maintained, which works as a, in effect as a, a defensive trench. And then the next day the communists were in the yard and they were delighted by how polite, gentle and helpful the, the arriving soldiers were and a huge contrast to the, the nationalist soldiers before them. So that's a remarkable period. And I, I do think that these uh, day-to-day accounts, like a blog, Of the communist so-called liberation really are historically extremely interesting
0: when we see the photos of these convoys of trucks going out providing supplies or going to give medical care uh what trucks were they i mean were they the uh sort of uh, chinese trucks something from the wall
1: yes all of those things i mean right at right at the beginning um the fau started when Rangoon was invaded and they escaped over the Burma road with the trucks that they they found in the docks. Um, Large numbers of trucks were coming in from America to support the Chinese in their their war effort. When the Japanese were bombing the, the docks, they actually went down into the docks, found trucks in crates and were assembling them, driving them over the Burma road, probably bare chassis with no bodies on, getting them to Kunming, and then building wooden bodies. Those were the first ones. Then, of course, there was no fuel to run them, so they had to convert them to run on charcoal gas. Later, after the war... How does that work? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. How does it work? How can oh, you, yeah, you're a
0: lawyer, not a physics man. <laughs> <laughs> how, how can you
1: how can you run a truck by burning wood? But they did. It is, the, it is possible. They would buy charcoal by the roadside, Every morning, they would have to spend about an hour and a half uh, cleaning out the filters, putting the charcoal into the burners, getting it lit, getting it hot, um, pumping it so that the air ran through it to burn it hot enough. And that would then create charcoal gas, and the truck then ran on the charcoal gas.
0: As well as, as I say, showing these photos of these largely young men and their teams, Um, now amongst them, uh, there's a, a man with a dog on his lap who I recognise, of course, as Geoffrey Bonzel, who died in Hong Kong from a stroke in 2010. He's, uh, he was a multi-specialist. Geoffrey Bonzel was also the head of Hong Kong University Press for a while. At RTHK, he was also Charles Wetherill. Um, so I remember Geoffrey very well, so it was great fun to um, see him as a very young man in here. So um, is there any, anything about Geoffrey in, in the book?
1: Yes, I mean, there are quite a few passages about Jeffrey. I, in fact, met him in Hong Kong in the early 80s, so so know exactly who he was. Um, there are also, as you, as you mentioned, four or five photographs with Jeffrey in. Um, he was working with Jack in the um, Chungking transport depot, and then he was, in fact, seconded to teach at a boys' school in Chungking.
0: As well as writing your book, Jack Jones, A True Friend to China, The Lost Writings of a Heroic Nobody. You've actually just been uh, to some of those areas.
1: I have indeed. I mean, I've in fact just come back from Kunming, where I've spent, uh, from Yunnan, where I've spent three weeks traveling around with an excellent tour guide who is a specialist in, t- in the Burma Road, the Burma Road that was built to bring in supplies from Assam into China. And he's traced it almost foot by foot using maps and um, Google Maps. And we were able to go off down the Burma Road, down towards Dali, past Dali to down to Wanting. And while much of the road has been built over with modern roads, there are some little loops of it which go up into the hills and are still there, paved with cobbles, and we've ashed and battered and ploughed through the dust. You, You cross a mountain, you come down the other side, and then there's another one. And then you climb that slowly, the road winds up into the mountains with a series of hairpin bands, bends. You get to the top and then there's another one and it goes on for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles. And across those mountains, these men in inadequate trucks delivered medicines to the people of China.
0: What an extraordinary story. If you'd like to find out more, Andrew Hicks's book, Jack Jones, A True Friend to China, is currently available at the St. John's Cathedral Bookshop. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage.